Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Hey, Scriptorians. Welcome back. We are continuing our discussion of Acts, and today we are in Acts 10 through 15. Well, am I kidding? We'll maybe get through 10 and parts of 11, but we have a lot of exciting stuff today. First, Peter has a vision that changes everything. What was it? What did it mean? Next, which is right now. So, so we find ourselves in Acts. Now, take a step back. Remember where we are really quickly. And in Acts, Luke tells us basically a geographical map of how the gospel is going to spread. And so it has kind of think of it like a target. So in the middle of the target's Jerusalem. And then the next ring, he says, is going out to Judea. And then the next string, a little bit farther out, Samaria, and then the whole world. And it definitely goes out to the whole known world for that, uh, that part of the, the hemisphere. So that is where we are. So right now we find Peter on kind of itinerant mission. So he's left Jerusalem and he's making his way outside the city. And as he gets there, the narrative changes. And remember, this narrative is, is it's pretty exciting and it's pretty fast-paced. Last time we talked about how the narrative is going to tell us what's happening and who the characters are, but it doesn't always tell us why it's there. Sometimes it does, but it definitely, if it has a speech, we have a lot of clues. So we're going to see both of those today. We're going to see the story, and then it's going to go kapow into a speech, and it's going to be a number of them, and we see it perfectly in chapter 10. So Peter. He's on this mission, he's out there, and he stops at a place called Simon the Tanner in Joppa, or Jaffa, as it's also called. Now, Simon, here's just a quick note that I don't know why this is interesting, but some people say that Simon, uh, this second Simon, the Tanner, is uh, unclean because he's a tanner and he works with dead beasts. No, it was just probably smelly and bad, but it is not an unclean trade. Uh, so Simon was probably just seen as someone that was kind of a... Uh, on the margins of society. So that's who Peter's staying with. And then the story switches. So join me in chapter 10. So turn on your uh, Bible or flip the page to Acts 10. Uh, I'm gonna get it on the screen here. So you jump there too. And we meet uh, this most exciting story and we're gonna have a series of really awesome things that happen. First it says, there's this man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band of the Italian band. Now, Caesarea is the capital in that region for Rome. So this would be like, uh, well, the mini Rome. And so Caesarea is very Gentile. There are Jews there, but not like Jerusalem. So this is downtown Rome in that Palestine area, Caesarea. And Cornelius is, is our character. And he is a centurion. So he's like a sergeant or a staff sergeant or a sergeant major, uh, maybe a captain today, where he is in charge of a large group. It says a century, which is somewhere between 60 and 100 guys. So he is an important guy. And you might as well just paste a Roman flag on his head. He's super Roman. 
So that should jump out at us. This guy is super not Jewish. He's super Gentile. I mean, listen to his name. Cornelius, right? It's not a very Jewish name. But it says in the next verse, he was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, and he gave much alms to the people and prayed to God uh, uh, always. Uh, this is the King James. So it tells us he was very devout. He was very God-fearing, um, and he gave alms and prayed. Now, there are probably three things that after you uh, complete the covenant of circumcision or you're born and have circumcision done, then you become a Jew, practicing Jew, when you fear God, you give alms to the poor, so you, you're giving your fast offerings, and you pray. Uh, the last one would be fast. And so he's got pretty much all of them except fasting listed. So that should jump out of us. This guy is super practicing as a Jew. Now, it was, wasn't super common, but we do have other instances of people uh, that were non-Jews, sometimes called God-fearers, sometimes called proselytes, who... Uh, believed as the Jews and so they were maybe just one surgery away from becoming Jews but that would have been a requirement they would have had to be uh, baptized and circumcised to be um, considered a Jew but he is everything other than that so that jumps out of it he is super Gentile and yet he is God-fearing he gives to the poor and he prays all right then in a vision wait what he has a vision yeah Cornelius the, the super Roman has a vision in about the ninth hour of the day. Now, the ninth hour is about three o'clock in the afternoon, and that is the traditional time for Jewish prayer, also at the temple. So that would have jumped out of us. He is observing prayer time. So he is having a prayer, and at that time, an angel of God comes to him and says, uh, Cornelius. And when he looks at him, he says, of course, he's afraid. He's like, what is it, Lord? And uh, the angel says, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's he's staying with Simon the Tanner in a house by the sea. So go there and they'll tell you what to do. Uh, so so he does that. So he, he gets um, some servants and someone that sounds like also a follower of uh, the Jewish way, uh, one of his, his servants and uh, soldiers, and they head off to Joppa, which is, you know, maybe a day or so away on a good hike. So he goes there. Then the day, the story flip-flops. So you remember the Cornelius, and then, man, this is exciting. The next day, as they, as these people were on their journey, this sent by Cornelius, um, and before they got there, it said Peter goes up onto this housetop to pray in about the sixth hour. So it's a little next day, but a little bit earlier than that. And it says he was really hungry, right? Okay thinking about food it's lunchtime it's noon uh, time for a snack in ancient Israel and he says but while he were he was making ready and they go up on the roof it's the coolest place it's where the breeze comes so he's sitting up on the roof and it says he fell into a trance so a vision and th this is the vision this is an incredible vision I'm sure you've heard it but this is it it says he saw heaven opened and this vessel descending and it was kind of like a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down at the earth. And there were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping thing and fowls of the air. So there's this big sheet and in the sheet he sees all the animals, uh, unclean, clean, kosher, unkosher, everything. He sees a, a, tons of be uh, animals in here and it's being coming down from heaven. So you can see it's coming from heaven and that's the four corners of the earth, or four corners of the sheet. Now the four corners, four, Anybody remember what four stands for? That's right. 
geographical completeness, like the four corners of the earth. So it's coming from heaven and it's symbolizing the whole earth, all the animals on the whole earth, everything, all inclusive, the whole earth, the four corners come down from heaven, all the animals. And it says, um, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now remember, Peter's Jewish. He's obeying kosher law. So he couldn't eat any scavengers. He couldn't eat any shellfish, no lobster, no uh, no bacon, right? Lots of, lots of rules there of what you can eat. And Peter immediately says, no, Lord, not so. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice speaks to him again a second time and says, what God has cleansed, thou shalt not call common. Like, I'm telling you it's clean now. You can eat. And that was done three times. And then the vessel goes back up into heaven. So, what? Is that weird? Is that weird? Uh, clearly, Peter wasn't sure what it meant either. At first blush, you're like, is Peter supposed to change his diet? Is it now okay? He doesn't have to eat kosher. For, he doesn't have to eat kosher anymore. He can have lobster and uh, a ham sandwich. Um, no, actually, that's that's not what it means. But he doesn't know that yet. He doesn't know that yet. So it says, while Peter doubted in himself that this vision which he had seen, um, the men that were sent from Cornelius stand at the gate of the house. And it says, while, uh, and they called and asked whether Simon, which was Peter, was lodged there. And it says, while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said to him, hey, three men seek you. And he goes, so go down there and don't worry about it. Go, go with them. I've sent them. Okay. Some of this really jumps out at me. I hope it jumps out at you too. The first thing that jumped out at me is this, is that Peter didn't immediately know what this vision meant. Um, that's striking to me. I mean, here is the president of the church, a prophet of the Lord, an apostle, and he has this vision, and it isn't exactly obvious to him what it means. But honestly, that's super reassuring to me, that the Lord shows us things through the Spirit, and we have to work it out. It's, it's not always obvious that it's a process. And so here's Peter... And he doesn't know what it means. And we just met Cornelius, and he had a vision that said, go send for Peter. But they don't really know what this means yet. Uh, wow, okay. I don't know. Cornelius says, go find Peter. Peter has a vision of animals and is told to eat them. Not a, wow, the plot thickens, right? Really interesting. Uh, anyway, the spirit tells him, you can go down and talk to these guys. So it says Peter goes downstairs, and he talks to the, the servants and the men that uh, Cornelius sent. And he says, I'm, I'm the guy you're looking for. Um, well, why are you here? And they explain word for word. Uh, they add a couple words, actually. But they say, hey, Cornelius the centurion, he's one that feared God. Everybody in the Jewish nation loves him. But a holy angel came and said to come hear what you have to say, Peter. We're supposed to come get you. And, you know, I don't know what Peter thinks. I was like, okay, I guess so. So they stay there at Simon's house that night. And, uh, and then the next day, Peter and some others go with him to Joppa. So they, they go all the way to Caesarea uh, from Joppa. They go all the way to Caesarea, and then Cornelius is waiting. Now, I love this part in verse 24. It says that Cornelius waited for them. What a faithful guy. I mean, he has this vision from an angel, and he's waiting. And then it says he called together his kinsmen and near friends. I mean, he knew this was a big deal. Uh, an angel had come to him. He was so faithful that he called everybody together. Hey, this guy Peter's going to come. Simon Peter's going to come. We have no idea what he's going to tell us. But he gathers everybody important to him, friends and family and near friends. I love that. I love that. When we have important spiritual things, 
don't we reach out? Hey, or my, my nephew got his mission call, or hey, I'm I I had this great spiritual scripture that I wanted to share with you, or we had this blessing in our family, or we're fasting together. I mean, we we call on each other. Man, I love that. So anyway, Peter's coming in, and Cornelius runs out to meet him. It says, and he falls down. At, Cornelius falls at Peter's feet, and he worships him. And Peter says, Hey, don't no, no, I'm just a man. And then he talked with him for a minute. And he went in, and uh, now remember, if you were a Jew, it was unlawful. Uh, in the law of Moses to go and be inside a home of a Gentile. Again, it made you unclean. It, not quite sinful, but unclean. You would have to perform a sacrifice and there would be a certain period of time before you could uh, be in the temple and do other things. And so this unclean was a big deal. And so obviously Cornelius knows how this works. He's he's very familiar with the Jewish religion. So he's like, hey, you don't, you know, I know Peter, you can't come in. And some the first hint of what's going on happens right here um, when Cornelius says you know you know it's unlawful for a Jew to keep company you can't come in my house but um, Peter answers and says you know but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean did you catch that back in that first vision uh, remember it said that the God corrected Peter when Peter said I haven't eaten anything that was common and unclean verse 14 and the voice spake to him, again a second time, verse 15, What God hath cleansed, thou shalt now call common. So what's common and unclean. And so here Peter's putting it together. The vision he had of those animals and that sheet coming down and the voice that told him says, you, you, can, you can go in. Uh, they're clean now. Uh, what? Uh, this is such amazing news. Such amazing news that now that now that they everything's clean now that 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 break between Jew and Gentile is gone is gone wow what a change so different centuries millennia of practice snap of the fingers gone snap of the fingers think for a second of a practice that maybe we have what would happen if it changed tomorrow President Nelson gets up at conference and he says, hey, by the way, now women can wear pants. Okay, that was a bad example because you wear pants now. What, think of one. Think of think of one that's just really different. Um, uh, maybe it was like when the blacks were able to receive the priesthood. Or maybe when a certain country opened to missionary work. Or, uh, boy, there's so many of them. I don't, I don't know. And there are certainly some today that we have that I think some would be welcomed and some we might go, whoa, that's... That is really different, right? Everyone can go to the temple now. I don't know. You're making them up. But think of one that would be really different. Uh, that's, that's what happens in verse 28. He says, Peter starts to put together the vision. What God has showed me, I should not call any man. It's not about animals anymore. He realizes this about people. Um, so he says, well, what have you... Peter, uh, Peter asks him, what, do you, what did you want from me? And he, Cornelius, tells him the story. I'm, I was fat. And then here we learn, four days ago I was fasting. Uh, so now we learn that he's doing fasting and alms and praying. Uh, he's following all, all the practices. What a, what a great man. And then he, he tells him a story. I had to send for you. And, and, then, uh, and then verse 34 through 43 is the speech. So this is where you want to zoom in. We've now had the narrative. We've had the action and the plot. And now we learn what it all means. Right? Here's what we learn. And it starts out with a bang, just a, a great bang. But I don't think the exact purpose, I think it's, it's bigger than this, but it says, 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and he said, Of a truth, I perceive that God 
is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea, again from Galilee after baptism like John Priest. And then he goes on, stop. Did you catch it? He Peter, in a flash, realizes this vision is that God, and he knows this, God is the Lord of all and the God of all, but now the, the gospel can be preached to everyone. Now, the Lord told him, go ye therefore, preach all nations, right? Nations, Gentiles, same word. It's time to go out and teach the others, but I, you know, I don't know how that was supposed to work, but we're start. wow, this was it. This was what the vision meant, that the gospel the the covenant is now going to go to all people you don't have to become jewish first it now goes to everyone now remember when acts was being written what did we say last time in the 80s mid 80s of ad is probably when luke wrote it this is all they've already seen a lot of this happen the church is just spread like wildfire throughout the known world throughout the roman world and so they're like yeah yeah this was it this is where it began this is amazing. This is where we see that love that the Lord has for all people, that it's going out to everyone. So think to yourself, in the story, am I a Jew? Am I Simon? Or am I Cornelius? And have I ever been on the inside of the, of the family, of the religion, of the group, of the clique? Or sometimes you're on the outside. The good news is, is that everyone can be on the inside now. Everyone is accepted. You don't have to be a Jew first. It doesn't matter what family you were born in into anymore. You can now be of everything. Every nation. But you have a couple things. You have to believe and you have to work righteousness is accepted. Awesome. Uh, this to me is, is such an amazing point of this story. That it is at this point that the gospel spreads. And we as Gentiles even can be included in and it's from this this vision of these animals that the lord's like this is it take it to everyone take it to everyone um i was reflecting on uh, maybe a little bit of a simple example but have you ever felt like you were on the outside of a situation maybe think about it in church world maybe you here's one for me i i don't have a lot of musical talent so people that can sing and play the piano and play the violin and the flute I'm terrible at that and I don't think I could ever be very good at it I took voice lessons for years and I'm still not a very good singer um, I I'm always on the outside of that group I'm never gonna be the great singer I'm never gonna be the great organist or piano player um, maybe it was somebody who's really good at scriptures and you're like boy I just never understand what they're saying maybe it was someone um, maybe you don't come from a pioneer family and you're like, Man, they're always talking about the pioneers and I'm the first or second generation in my family. I don't quite fit in with the pioneer family. Maybe you didn't serve a mission and you're like, I'm never really going to fit in with those missionary groups. Maybe you have long hair tattoos and a beard. Fantastic. But you go, man, I don't know if I can wear the white shirt and tie all day. Um, lots of things, right? I don't bake cookies. I don't sing primary songs. I don't know how to do genealogy. I, I don't do a lot of things. I'm not in those groups. I am sometimes I feel left out right I bet we all do that's just part of the human experience but here the Lord is saying you are all part 
You're accepted. Welcome. Come with what you brought. He loves us. He wants us in his gospel. The gospel is for everyone, and it says he is Lord of all. Well, brothers and sisters, I think that's message for today. Uh, let's wrap up with Cornelius and say, Peter has a vision that changes everything. The Lord accepts everyone that fears him and worketh righteousness.